This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. Boy, if you've driven around the roads in downtown Hamilton, and I suppose it's like this in most other cities, but Hamilton obviously has, has got a real problem. And one of the ones that seems to be centered more than anything else is on Main Street, just up by McMaster University, uh, just not too far from where we are here in the west end of the city. And, well, it was part of the discussion at the uh, public works meeting. Uh, the chairman of that committee is uh, Lloyd Ferguson, of course, the Ancaster Councilor. He joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about what might be done. How are you doing this morning, Lloyd? I'm doing fine, Bill. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, I was just out there yesterday, the other day, I guess I was talking uh, uh, with some friends that was out to McMaster University. And i got to tell you, uh, I, I mean, we all know that that, you know, there are potholes in the, in the spring. It's not even spring yet, but obviously with this early thaw. Uh, you used to build these things, Lloyd, so you probably know as much, if not more, than most people around town about what's going on. What is happening here? So what's happening is anytime the asphalt surface cracks and water is allowed to enter the aggregate base that supports the road, aggregate is a very uh, pervious material, and the, sub, the uh, earth below that is impervious, so the water sits on top of the earth and fills the aggregate with water. And, and that only happens when the asphalt starts to fail. And once that happens and you go into these freeze-thaw cycles, it can break a road up pretty quick. So if you've got uh, you know, 12, 15 inches of aggregate underneath the asphalt, and then that keeps freezing and thawing, you can just imagine how much that road would heave up every time it happens. And if there's bigger cracks in areas than others, then more water will be in there and more damage will occur. And so when it goes up and down constantly throughout a winter, if it would just freeze up and stay, it wouldn't be as bad. But when you go through these freeze-thaw cycles, uh, it, it causes that rigid surface, uh, whether it's concrete or primarily asphalt, to fracture even further and then slides off real quick. And so um, you're right. We have roads failing all over the city because of this, and, and I don't think it's exclusive to Hamilton. Uh, the older parts of any city, uh, our roads deteriorate over time. They crack, and, and the way you attack those things is, first of all, route and seal the cracks, which means fill them with tar so the water can't get in. And you quite often will see contractors in the summer doing just that. So they groove it out, then pour in some hot tar to seal it up. But uh, after that, if you got in there fast enough, like we did at Scenic Woods a couple of years ago, you shave and pave it so you peel off 40, 50 millimeters and resurface it with new asphalt to save the road so the whole thing doesn't fail. And uh, for some reason, uh, Main Street West, particularly eastbound uh, on Main Street West between Longwood and um, Coots Paradise, has failed miserably. Uh, I've had some complaints about it. I don't drive the road regularly, but I, I did take an opportunity to drive down before the public's work meeting, and it was quite frankly disgusting. And uh, why, why that one, Lloyd? Why that badly? Well, it's probably because it had more cracks uh, to allow the water to enter. It, it may be because um, it's a, a, a concrete base under it, so it's even more rigid, will fail faster, um, you know, and it does get pounded with a lot of traffic. It's, it's traffic will pound frost in three, four feet in the in the heat of a winter, and and so it becomes more severe uh, in those heavy traffic areas, particularly that bus lane where buses are going every ten minutes, and th- and there are a lot of weight. So major arterial roads will generally fail quicker if they have cracks to allow the water to get in there and cause that surface to fracture. And so um, I went down and and. The first thing that flashed through my head when I saw it was the public deserves better than this. And uh, you know, there's a, a tire dealership right there, and apparently you can't get an appointment for weeks now because of uh, citizens whose cars have been damaged by hitting these potholes. 
Now, I urge all your listeners, when they're out on these roads, slow it down, because your car cannot withstand those impacts if you hit a pothole um, and didn't see it and can't avoid it, because it can uh, break ball joints, it can, uh, of course, uh, cut tires and bend rims. And, uh, well, part, part of the problem you've got here, I mean, we're getting into winter driving problems here, I guess, but... Uh, when you're going over that, you might just see a puddle on the road. You don't know. That thing could be five, six inches deep. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But if you see a pothole, pothole avoid it if you can safely. Otherwise, just slow it right down. Uh, but we need to get the road fixed. And uh, so I went out and, and visited the road uh, before the Public Works meeting, and I was going to raise it and put a motion forward yesterday at Public Works because I, you know, I'm trying to look at citywide. Uh, and, and uh, Public Works wasn't able to proceed yesterday because we didn't have quorum, so we were missing a few members, so the meeting couldn't proceed. So I will be taking a resolution right directly to Council next Wednesday to get an emergency repair. Now, our engineering staff tell me they could have a contractor in there in, in about two weeks, and it'll just be a temporary emergency repair where they'll win and mill off 40 or 50 millimeters of the surface, what's left of it, and then replace it with, with hot asphalt. There is one of our suppliers who has his plant open. He kept it open for the winter. And, and, uh, and so we can mobilize that quick with it, providing they can get their crews back, because most asphalt crews are laid off at this time. But first, we've got to get a funding source. And uh, you know, there's um, a thing called area rating, which is uh, $1.5 million per ward for wards 1 through 8, which is the old city, which is a fallout of amalgamation. So those members of council have an extra $1.5 million available to them to spend in their particular wards. And, uh, and so when I was speaking with some of our colleagues who were at the, waiting for the meeting to start yesterday, and, you know, and, and I'll get this big argument on next Wednesday at council too, well, if you're going to do that one, you better do mine too, because uh, there's certainly a lot more than just Main Street that are failing out there. Although looking citywide, using my, my, my hat as the chair of citywide, I think this is the worst one by far and away. What I've it, it appears to be. And, and I want to get into the finances in just a couple of minutes, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I've, I've seen some of the anecdotal comments from some of your council colleagues and saying, hey, what about you know this street or that street? And, and, and this is a problem that we get all the time. I guess I, I want to put your engineering hat back on for a second, though, Lloyd. I mean, for all the years that you were in Dufferin and you were building and maintaining these, these sorts of roads, the concern that I've heard from some folks uh, since this story w- hit the, the air uh, a few hours ago was, look, if you do that, is it just going to happen again? It's, it's getting cold. I mean, it's chillier now than it was over the last four or five days. Are we going to have the same thing happen with uh, the new surface you put on? Well, could, absolutely. What it'll do, though, is, is seal the surface off so the water can't get in there. Now, uh, the $400,000 only covers the two eastbound lanes adjacent to the curb. It doesn't do all five lanes. And, and the, so the po- other problem we're facing is that this is the area where LRT will be running, and the whole road will be completely rebuilt with the uh, provincial funding to construct the LRT system. And so you've got to be careful how much money you put into it, because it's going to all be wasted. And, and you're right, this is a risk that... Uh, I mean, this, this is only February, this is not spring. That's right. Well, it's March 1st next week, Yeah. so we're getting there. But uh, it, it, this is not a permanent solution, it's an emergency solution, and quite frankly, it could fail again by the summer. But, uh, you know, this is a decision council is going to have to make. Is this severe enough that we should do this emergency repair right now? And there is this area rating money available to the old city councillors to do this, 
and, and if it gets funded from area rating, they won't get pushback from other members of council because it's further uh, spending in their ward. As soon as you try to tap into other reserve funds or tap into uh, uh, citywide funds, people are going to say, no, nope, my road's worse than I want it done. I suspect. And I've, I heard that a little bit yesterday, but we'll see how that vote goes. I know Aiden has real trouble with, he's made it pretty clear to me yesterday, with spending his area rating money on an arterial road that, in his view, and he's partially right, services other areas besides just Ward 1. But at the end of the day, I don't think we can let this thing sit. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, we can allow the public to, uh, or expect the public to drive down this road with the condition it's in. This is an emergency. That's what this area rating money is for. It's for core infrastructure, and roads is very basic to core infrastructure. And uh, so that's a solution. But it's, I'm only one vote out of 16, so we'll see how this goes on, um, on Wednesday night. Here's the concern that I've got, and, and I'm glad you brought up the, the idea of funding. And let's, let's get into that if we could, because I've seen the comments from, from Councillor Johnson. Uh, and I've got a problem with this. Uh, it's a slush fund. I don't care what the council wants to call it. The fact that these guys have discretionary money, they can do whatever they want with it. It was supposed to be for infrastructure, and and nobody has really enforced that over the last little while. Well, now you've got an infrastructure crisis in the west end of the city, and that's where that money should come from. Uh, it absolutely has to, and I know that he may have dedicated it already or made some commitments to other areas and other funding areas around the ward, but this is a priority, and, and I think that the council's got to show some discipline here. Well, it, but uh, Aiden will tell you that um, he committed to his ward. He would spend that money through participatory uh, funding, so he has a committee that he would pull together and say, here's a list of projects, here's the money's available, what's important to you in his ward? Um, but when these emergency situations come up, I, I suspect as elected people, we need to go past that. If it's, you know, deciding to fix a community center or put $200,000 through Westdale Arena or Westdale Theater, these kind of things, that's fine. But when you've got a road that's failing in front of our hospital, uh, that it's, it's a major arterial that, you know, not only connects the suburban areas, but, uh, is an also major transportation corridor. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in an ambulance running down that road because it would be an uncomfortable ride. And, and uh, you know, we deserve to do better than that. And I need to add, this $1.5 million area rating fund, the suburban councillors, the seven in the suburban areas, get nothing, where they get $1.5 million each. So I don't think it's asking too much when there's an emergency in that particular ward that they would tap into that. Same as other councillors in the old city may do, I know that there's a, a Parkdale Road right down at the north end. I've heard it's in deplorable shape, too, but I haven't, haven't personally driven it. But make that money available for these emergency repairs. And, and quite frankly, that'll be the debate next Wednesday night. Well, and, and that's going to be the interesting part of this. And uh, I know that we, we talk about the, this fund. Uh, you, know, you can talk about area rating. You can talk about it. I know people on council cringe when you use the term slush fund. But, I mean, let's face it. I, I think that the fund has been abused in the past. Uh, and I'm not knocking any one particular project or enterprise that people have uh, benefited from, from as a result of this. I'm just saying it's not the money that was it, – it, it wasn't intended for that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, if the counselor for the area simply says, well, I'm not going to use my discretionary fund because I've already committed it, I'm expecting the city to come up and take that, then don't fix the road. If that's what they're going to be I – mean, there's got to be a decision about this, especially because we have an election coming up this year. And I know darn well that some of the councillors in wards one through eight use this money to try to curry favor with certain neighborhoods. Roads count, and roads are the priority. That's infrastructure, and it's 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 
hypocritical, I think, Lloyd, for anybody on city council to talk about infrastructure deficits and situations like this and then turn around and say, yeah, but the money that I have available to me, I'm going to go spend on something else instead of on what really needs to be done. Yeah, core infrastructure. That was intent when it was first struck. And, and uh, you know, West Hill Theater is great. I, I, I pick on that one because it's a recent one where Aiden decided to take two hundred grand from his area rating fund and put it in there. And it's, it's been a bone of contention for the suburban. And that's council a that's a great project. I'm glad to see that happening. But you know, that's not it's, core infrastructure. You know, when the roof starts falling in on your house, you, you you don't go out and buy a new TV. I mean, you you have to look at priorities in situations like this. And by the way, I do have a right to talk about this because I'm a Lancaster resident. My taxes go to that. So I, you know, it's one thing for the councillor to say, well, you know, it's not just people in Ward 1. No, but I, we already contribute to that fund, and that's what it's supposed to be for. That's what I want to see it spent on. And there's only one taxpayer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Anybody in Stony Creek Mountain or Binbrook or Mount Hope or anybody else, they drive on those roads, yes, but they also contribute to that fund, and that's where that money is coming from, and that's where we want to see it spent. Yeah, and then the, it, what it does, it opens up the opportunities, if, if, and I don't mean to pick on Parkdale, but the very north-north end of that heavy industrial area, I should get down there and take a look at it, but I understand it's in tough shape, too, so the ward councillor uh, can decide to take some area rating money and fix it. It sets the precedent at, at how to get through this winter, because it, this is an extreme uh, situation. Um, and, it's, and there's public safety at risk on something like Main Street because you hit a pothole well, the guy, wrong. Lloyd, the, guy I, the guy I followed yesterday when I was out there in the West End at McMaster, I mean, coming back and forth with the radio station here and, and going along Main Street, I mean, this guy was actually trying to avoid the potholes. He's going into the other lane of traffic to do it. Yep. I mean, he's going to cause an accident. or be, you know, it's, it's wrong. I mean, it's, it's causing a whole lot of dangerous driving. Uh, we had the story a couple of days ago that HSR has been told to stay out of the curb lane. I can understand why. It's no, treacherous. No, they had a work refusal. The drivers wouldn't go down it. Well, good for them. That showed some intelligence on their part because it it's darn right scary to go into the curb lane and, with the words in the condition that they're in. And Public Works has been out there trying to patch this to fill the potholes, but it's not working. It's too severely failed to be able to fill a pothole and have a, a, the problem fixed. When you get, you know, I, I saw patches that were done yesterday that had to be 10 foot square. Uh, so the thing is going through a radical failure, and uh, this is where we got to step up and have the leadership to respond to the funding requirements for uh, uh, an emergency. There's nothing short of it. It's simply an emergency, and as I said, the, the commuters along that road and the patients going to sick kids and into McMaster University deserve better than that. Well, look, at this is of the same ilk as, as if a water main broke, and you'd have water all over the place and flooding. You'd say, oh, my God, we got to get that fixed right away, and that's it is true. The road's the same thing. You can't put this off, and you can't simply say, well, I want everybody else to bail us out because I don't want to spend the money on it. I mean, council's got to show some smarts here. Okay, well, we'll see what happens Wednesday night. I've, that'll be my... Uh, I need you in the, to help me argue this on Wednesday. Well, I'm doing it now. Yeah, good, good for you. And and uh, so that'll be the the debate that happens on Monday evening when this comes before council as a whole. We'll see what happens, and uh, certainly get some input from our listeners about it as well. For, Lloyd, thanks so much. Appreciate the time today. Thank you. Bye bye. That's uh, Councilor Lloyd Ferguson of Bancaster. He's the chair of Public Works, which obviously is going to have to have some oversight on this. But look at talk to your councilor about this. I don't care what part of the city that you're living in. You pay taxes, and this is what that money is supposed to go for. And I don't want to hear a word from anybody on city council about infrastructure deficit and woe is us and the province isn't being fair to us. You got money right there. Everybody in the old city, wards one through eight, you got $1.5 million sitting there, and you got crappy roads. That money is supposed to go to infrastructure. And next Wednesday at that council meeting, that's where they should make that dedicated money go toward 
is fixing these roads. I don't know. Everybody's got their pet projects. I want to buy that school site. I want to do this. I want to do that. Fix the roads. Talk to your counselor. Email. Phone. Make them aware that you're concerned about this. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. It's uh, time for the Mayor's Town Hall. Burnley to Mayor Rick Goldring is with us here in studio. How are you doing this morning, Mr. Mayor? I'm doing great, Bill. Great uh, to be here. Look, how are the roads in your city? I'm sorry? How are the roads in your city? Uh, the roads in our city? Well, it depends uh, on which road you're referring to. But, <laughs> well, uh, you've heard about the, the discrepancy. Well, you just drove. I guess you didn't get too much of Main Street, but you got a little bit of it here. No, so we've identified, you know, what our what our infrastructure debt is, and we are chipping away at it each and each and every year. So uh, some of our roads have been in rough shape, but we're chipping away at it, and uh, every year we're closing the gap. So uh, I think our residents would say certain roads are great, and certain roads maybe uh, need some work. And but as I say, we're chipping away at it. It's going to take us some time, but we're going to. Uh, uh, fill in the gap uh, of our infrastructure gap over the next uh, 10, 15 years, and and uh, we'll get everything back to where it should be. I mean, we know, uh, and cities, Hamilton, Burlington, every city, I guess, is, is going through the same process on the same cycle. You know that come springtime, when the thaw comes, there's always going to be some damage to the roads. Uh, if you're near water, there's always the chance of flooding. But, boy, this, this thaw that we've had the last four days has just been tragic. I mean, we were just talking before we started the program here about Brantford. Uh, and what's gone on there the last three or four days, and and the road situation and the crumbling that's gone on right now, and this and it's not even spring yet, so uh, you got to wonder what's coming down the road. Well, inconsistent weather patterns certainly, uh, you know, is very challenging, and certainly our heart goes out thank, to people. Thank God, in, climate. In cl- thank God, climate change is a hoax, right? Yeah, so, right. Because <laughs> there's no damage at all because of that. But you know, it's interesting though, you know, with what's gone on this winter, how cold it was. Uh, so early, and we had our extreme weather, extreme winter, and really cold temperatures so early. And of course, we're we're much more milder now when it's usually much colder in February. So yes, the the, the temperatures are very inconsistent. And when you have that uh, freeze and the thaw, and the freeze and the thaw can be very hard in your roads. Anyway, we'll see what happens uh, in the city of uh, Hamilton here with our situation. But uh, obviously, I, I didn't want you to say everything's fine in Burlington because then you're just going to get phone calls and say, have you been down New Street lately? Cause I, it, well, it, you know, there's obviously some roads that need to be uh, invested in, and, and we do it over time. But it's interesting. My own my own road, uh, you know, one of the local roads, so it's not a big priority because it's uh, as, a, as a residential road. But I believe it's been in the capital budget original, or forecast, I should say, I think, originally for – um, 2017, and then it was 2019. I think is now is 2023 uh, because other roads uh, come up in the pecking order that are much more, uh, much more important. So uh, we tend to focus on our major arterial roads and our collector roads. You ever get this? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was on council for nine years here in Hamilton. There's an expectation that you know ours should be first. It should be the first one plowed. We should get the garbage picked up first. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. should get the road fixed first. Because you're the mayor, for heaven's sakes! Come on, yeah. can't you get this yeah. done? Yeah, I think my neighbors aren't impressed with the pull I have because <laughs> uh, because our uh, our street gets uh, plowed. Certainly not at the beginning; it's probably near the middle or near the end. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it as happens. much as as much as uh, people may think that, but that certainly isn't the case. Our staff have their their methodology of of ranking priorities in the city, whether it be um, repaving roads or reconstruction of roads, or whether it be uh, plowing plowing roads, uh, they do have their their priority roads, and they do have a methodology that they follow. 
Listen, I got to ask you uh, because, and we appreciate the fact that you come on here and do the the town halls with us every couple of weeks here at nine hundred CHML. But uh, you're very active on social media, and and folks that want to get a hold of you can can do that and with the Q and A. And you had one this week. How'd that go? Yeah, I had one I had one this week. It was probably it was the least attended or the least involved. And I think we were up against the Olympics. It was on Tuesday. Well, night. you had your hockey sweater on, so I did. I did have my you, hockey you were in the spirit on. of it. I was anyway. in the spirit of it, but um, it was interesting. We the first one we did. Um, we had about 3,500 views within 24 hours because once you do it, you post it on your Facebook page and it stays there. And the second one we did, we had about 2,500 views uh, in, the, in the first 24 hours. And I'm not sure about the other one from Tuesday night, but certainly uh, it didn't go as long. The first two went for an hour, and I answered about uh, 10 questions. On Tuesday night, the questions were much less. And uh, I guess it really depends on the night and it depends on what people have in their minds. But that was the figure skating uh, finals, wasn't it? The the the, the dance competition. Uh, I'm not sh- sure what, what I, I, was I think up it against. was. There was something big going on, if I recall. Yeah, it was Tuesday night at seven o'clock. So you might have been bumped. I, I think we <laughs> I think we were bumped. I think you know for two weeks a lot of people focus on the Olympics, and I can certainly understand that. As I did, as I woke up in the middle of the night and actually turned on the uh, the women's final. And I thought I just watched a little bit of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. I started, the third, I started at the third period. It's great with your iPhone. You can just you know watch it in bed. Yeah. And I started at the third period, and I went all the way to the shootout. So <laughs> I, I was a little tired yesterday. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about some of the downtown developments and some of the things happening. And by the way, we will go to your calls nine zero five six four five thirty two twenty one and star 900 for uh, Burlington Mayor Rick Goldwing in just a couple of minutes. Uh, the Martha Street development, very controversial, a lot of back and forth. I've talked to some of your council colleagues on what's going on there. So let, let's go back to in 2014, Addy Development Corporation put in a development application for 28 stories at the corner, the northeast corner of Martha and Lakeshore. Uh, and city staff said no and council said no. And an alternative proposal was presented to, uh, to staff who said no to 26 stories and council said no to 26 stories. So as is the developers, right, they did go to the Ontario Municipal Board. It took a while for the decision. When you consider the application was made in the summer of uh, 2014 and a decision was made in, uh, what, February of 2018. So it did take three and a half years to get to the point. But in any event, the decision did come out. And, and as I stated, the council and staff were united in opposing a 26-story development of that particular corner because our current official plans says only up to eight stories. And uh, the decision came out on Tuesday, the February the 13th, and it was a very strong, definitive decision from the OMB director who w- held the hearing saying uh, they disagreed with the city position and they did support the developer's uh, proposal for 26 stories. So I was, I was surprised. I knew we were going to get more than eight stories. Uh, I thought we might get in the 17 to 20 story range, uh, but I'm very surprised and disappointed that they actually granted uh, the full application of, of 26 stories. There were some very interesting comments made in the, re- in the decision. I've read the decision three times now, and I'll probably read it one more time on the weekend before we discuss um, whether we should appeal or not with our legal folks on, on Monday. Uh, but I read it. Uh, I've read it three times. I'll read it another time on the weekend. And some of the takeaways for me was number one: your official plan is so old, it's irrelevant. And how can you have a designation of only 48 stories in a downtown urban growth center? Uh, recognizing that the provincial policy is to encourage much more density in urban growth centers to help facilitate transit. Um, and uh, so that was an interesting point. Uh, well, let's let's talk about those because there's a couple of things there. Uh, the fact that your your official plan is irrelevant. I mean, that was the pair. Uh, that that's an ouch moment. I mean, it's like uh, that that hurts when you hear that. But you've talked about that for the last couple of months. 
about the necessity for the council to move forward and to revise this. And uh, the fact that it hasn't been done, that sounds like it came back to bite you. I believe it did come back to bite us because it wasn't, you know, our, our official plan said for that particular corner that four to eight stories would be uh, acceptable. Um, our official plan would say eight stories and our city staff came out during the hearing and said 16 stories it would be um, very appropriate. Uh, but I look back, I, I think if we had a, a new official plan or, or a much more current official plan that was much more definitive and very focused and very specific about what we, were, what we wanted, in that particular area, um, I believe we would have had a lot more success than than what we ended up with because basically um, the the decision of the OMB was, um, you know, the your official plan is uh, is outdated. It, it's irrelevant. Uh, you're not complying to uh, provincial policy. Uh, there's other tall buildings in the area, uh, and lack of anything more definitive. Uh, we'll support the developers' 26 stories. But are you surprised? Because a lot of the time, OMB decisions, I not necessarily say go down the middle, but there's usually some sense of a compromise. Uh, and they didn't even seem to want to go down that road. No, and I sense, you know, there's, there's a transition going on right now, Bill, between the Ontario Municipal Board and the Local Planning Appeal Tribunal. So the OMB is being replaced by the Local Planning Appeal Tribunal. And so applications that were made prior to December the 7th are subject to the rules of the Ontario Municipal Board. More recent applications are subject to the rules of the Local Planning and Appeal Tribunal. It's, it, it's, it says very clearly in the new legislation that the key lens to look through when the Local Planning Appeal Tribunal is considering an appeal of a municipal decision is, is number one, does the um, municipal decision support the municipal official plan. And if your municipal plan is out of date, that's pretty tough. Second point is, does the decision support provincial policy? And is it compliant with provincial policy? So I believe that's going to be the overriding factor going forward. Uh, I think the, the local planning and appeal tribunal is, a, is an improved process and is not as, as, as lengthy or is not as complicated, is not as litigious. Um, having said that, though, it's a warning to all municipalities. You better make sure your official plans are current. You better make sure that they comply with uh, provincial policy if you want to be able to defend it um, when decisions are appealed. But didn't the government say through their municipal affairs ministry that uh, that they wanted to give cities more power in the decision-making process? That was the intent, this, yes. You know, well, that doesn't seem to have happened here. It, I have a lot of questions, and I do have some uh, discussions lined up with some folks at Queen's Park to get some clarity. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I believe it's going to take some time to get some clarity because we are in uncharted territories. Uh, the local planning and appeal tribunal uh, is only starting to be set up. And I'm not sure if there's been any decisions made through the local planning appeal tribunal. I suggest not, you know, recognizing, you know, the provincial wide body. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what those initial decisions are. Yes, there is more strength in the legislation for municipalities. Um, for example, in the first two years of an approval of an official plan, you are protected from appeals. But after that, I mentioned those two lenses that, that uh, the appeal tribunal will look through. But even if the, even if the tribunal is, is supposed to be the vehicle for the, the new revised legislation, you would think that the OMB, even in its dying days here, would at least uh, try to adhere to the spirit of what the government's trying to do. Well, I suspect the way I've read the decision, and, and I'm looking forward to the discussion I'm going to have with my council colleagues and city staff and our outside legal staff on, on Monday. But the sense I received from that I, what I got when I read it is that 
they're already looking at it through the lens of provincial policy and through the lens of a local planning appeal tribunal. So recognizing that that uh, there is a new process and it's a better process and so on, but you better comply to your com- official plan. And if you don't comply to your own f- official plan or if your, your official plan does not comply to uh, provincial policy, then there's a big gap there. There's a big question mark there if your official plan does not apply to provincial policy because I would say the value of the official plan uh, is thrown out the window if you're not in compliance. Okay, but I understand. And, and if they're hanging their hat on the fact that your official plan is out of date, uh, that that's one thing. And, and I don't think you're disagreeing with that because you've been telling us for the last year and a half or so that you think that it had to be revised. We'll get to that in detail a little bit later on in the show, I'm sure. But by the same token, they've, they've basically thumbed their nose at the council decision anyway. And I, I would suggest that uh, there's probably a lot more cities, municipalities in the province right now that maybe have their official plans that are, need updating. I, I, you know, and they, they better go to school on your decision here because they're all going to be in the same boat. I, I agree, and I forwarded the decision to um, policy staff at AMO, the Association of Municipalities yeah. of Ontario, because I believe there's real lessons there for all municipalities in that particular decision. Because in my view, as I said, it was written uh, through the lens of the new local planning and appeal tribunal and, and making sure that municipal decisions comply with provincial policy. So one of the things that came through loud and clear is, you know, your downtown, there's a mobility hub in your downtown. Your downtown is an urban growth center. It's been that way for uh, a, a dozen years. And uh, uh, the province does encourage transit support of development to make sure that transit is more viable and, and more sustainable when you have more people, uh, more of a market that could use it. So it's very clear to me that there's a, there's a clear direction in in uh, areas of, of, of in the G- Greater Toronto Hamilton area, the Greater Golden Horseshoe area, uh, for much more dense development. Okay, and we know that, and that's all part of the provincial plan, and has been for quite some time. But I know that every time you and I have talked about this this proposal, uh, I've had Council Ward on the program a couple of times talking about this. I, I get feedback from an awful lot of people saying, "Look, we don't want this thing. Uh, we, this is not what we want to see our downtown look like." Uh, so who is supporting this at this stage? I mean, obviously Addy is. I mean, they're the developer. They're the proponents for this whole thing. But I, I don't get a whole lot of community support, unless I'm, I'm misreading what I'm, what I'm hearing, but I don't think so. No, I, I would say there isn't a lot of community support for 26 stories at that particular uh, uh, location. No, I think it was a shock to, to all of us, uh, the, the decision when our official plan is eight stories and our staff says 16 stories we could live with and, and would be appropriate and could, could fit there, to grant the developer... 100% of what they're asking for uh, is extreme and over the top. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Just to, to, to wrap up the discussion, though, about the uh, OMB decision, the Ontario Municipal Board decision about uh, Martha Street, uh, I know that you and your council colleagues are going to have a discussion about this, but where do you go? What are your options? You can appeal this, but to who do you appeal it to? Well, you, you ask for judicial review uh, with the OMB. That's that's where you go. So you go back to the same body that already rendered a decision and say we don't agree with this, but yeah. could you look at it again? Yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get the full update from the legal team on on, on Monday. But yes, you can appeal the decision, and uh, but you got to be very you got to be judicious with whether you do that or not because if there's no chance of doing it, you're just doing it to raise the flag. Um, you want to think really carefully. If yeah, it, if well, I've seen politicians, not in Burlington I necessarily, but I've seen politicians do that anyway, Just and, and it's for show. Yeah. We went, it's we, to say, well, we did our best. We went and fought and we appealed this, and, and it cost a lot of money to appeal. You know, it's interesting. When I got elected to council on December first, two 2006, I, I took office, and one of the first uh, decisions that the new city council had to make was about the Walmart on Fairview Street. Yeah. 
and uh, residents and many people were against it. And uh, originally Walmart came along and they said, we want to take two lots, put it into one, put a big store. We're going to have enough parking and so on. Our planning staff said, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, our council of the day, prior to me getting elected, appealed that decision. And then right after the new council took office, we had a meeting in closed session with our external lawyers and our internal lawyers saying, folks, like we can take your money. We can continue to take your money. (laughs) Um, But uh, we suggest you're going to save a chunk of money if you capitulate and, and you cave in. And we suggest we can negotiate something from Walmart if you're willing to, to do that. And uh, so it wasn't all of us, but it was almost all of us that said, let's be pragmatic here. Let's move on. A- and uh, we're not going to win. So why spend good money after bad? And uh, why not see if we can negotiate something from Walmart? I forget exactly what we got. But of course, Walmart went in there and there was all sorts of concern about traffic impacts and so on and so forth. Conflicts with the GO station because of all the traffic. But the traffic is at different times and it's spread out throughout the day. And the traffic issues have really not come to fruition. No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, you, the future development, that's you got a lot of other stuff that's going on in that area. Let me do the break. We'll come back in a couple of seconds. We can pick up on this and lots more to talk about. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. It's uh, the Mayor's Town Hall uh, for the next half hour. Burlington Mayor Rick Goldring is here in studio. We were talking about downtown issues uh, just before we did the break. Uh, and uh, th- there are a number of things that are going on. And uh, the OMB decision uh, with the Addy property is, is obviously very contentious, but there's a number of other things you're looking at. And Brant Street, the 409 Brant Street application, uh, is something else that uh, is raising some eyebrows. Let's uh, bring everyone up to date on what's happening there. So this is the, the southeast corner of James and Brant Street, uh, the old Elizabeth Interior site. And uh, an application, uh, first of all, a developer has bought that whole block and has brought in an application for 24 stories on that particular corner, which again is right across from City Hall and and right across a different street, right across James Street uh, from a 23-story decision that council made in in November. So uh, obviously uh, that's creating a a lot of interest and uh, we'll we'll wait and see and see see what happens with city staff and see how they deal with it. I mean, I have my own, you know, strong views on this, but um, I want to point out that with this new local planning and appeal tribunal, uh, councillors are being encouraged to uh, not uh, state definitive positions until it's time to state uh, definitive positions. And the reason is that the likelihood of more court challenges to local planning and appeal tri- or local planning appeal tribunals decisions is greater than court challenges were to the OMB. Municipal councils are, are like a um, like a court of law to some degree, and uh, we're expected to make uh, decisions properly, and we're expected to consider all information uh, before we firm up and make a decision. So, as I say, I have my own strong views about the application, but I'm going to keep my powder dry until uh, until it's time. Okay, but with that in mind, is there a sense of inevitability here uh, with the Addy decision and and now this other application and? Uh, it's it's what both you and and Councillor Ward have told me is 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 going to happen. You know, if you allow one, all of a sudden there's going to be uh, a, a plethora of applications. This is going to change the way this city looks. In fact, if b- both of these go through, and, and I mean dramatically. So uh, recognizing on the preliminary new draft official downtown precinct plan at both corners of James and Brant, the number was 17 stories that our staff put there. Our planning staff put there. And, uh, and I, I support that, that particular uh, direction. Uh, 
17 stories works in our downtown and we need to contain it. So, but I do share the concern. I do share the concern that, that um, you know, the 23-story decision uh, could impact what's going to happen across the street. And uh, I'm going to be paying attention very closely to the work that our planning staff does and the approach that they take on this. The other element to this, though, Mr. Mayor, is, is, is pragmatic. You can't stick your head in the sand and say, we don't want to allow any of this stuff. You know, it's four stories or eight stories and that's it. Uh, because the world is changing, the province is changing, and even if there's a change in government uh, in, in June at, at, at Queen's Park, uh, I don't think they're going to backtrack on things like urban development and infrastructure and infill uh, projects that, that are already in there. That's that's the way that cities are developing these days, and, and Burlington has to, I'm not suggesting give up, give in to everything, but at the same time, you've got to realize that, you know, when they talk infill, there's going to be some decisions here that people may not like, but they're going to happen anyway. No, exactly. I mean, you look at the world, and, and you look, or look at Canada. Let's look at Canada. Go back to 1867, when Canada was formed. Uh, we were only a 20% urban nation and an 80% rural nation. And those percentages have flipped. We're now an 80% urban nation, only 20% r- 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 rural. And the, the percent that's urban is continuing to increase. And there's a number of reasons for that, and it's to, to protect our natural heritage lands, to protect the Niagara Escarpment, to protect um, our, you know, unique hamlets and villages. So in Burlington's case, 50% of our 185 square kilometers is protected from development. And we're protecting 34% of our city, which is our traditional neighborhoods, from development. So, and we're protecting our employment lands. So we've only really focusing on 5% of the city where we're going to see meaningful growth going forward, which is the area around our three GO stations uh, and our downtown. And so at the same time, you want to, you know, sort of maintain the ambiance and the, uh, the feel of our downtown. You also don't want to squander opportunities. And I look at a development that's right across from the Performing Arts Center. Originally, it was four stories. The developer wants another two stories, which, um, you know, we'll see what our staff say about that. But I don't, I don't believe that to be necessarily an issue. Um, but you look at that particular building being a low-rise building. You know, the, the, the cost per square foot to buy in there is somewhere between $950 and $1,000 a square foot. Whereas if you have some height and density, and it's, it's shown up in, in other buildings around the downtown, if you have some height and density, the cost per square foot can be much less than that. So, you know, you look at $600 a square foot versus $1,000 a square foot, that's a big, big difference. So $600 a square foot at 500 square feet for a small one bedroom, that's $300,000. Now, that's still expensive, but it's more in the range of affordability. And then well, that's the book. And, and that affordability, I think, let's talk about that. Because when developers are doing this, and I know developers get a bad rap from an awful lot of people, sometimes on council. You know, these big bad developers, they're greedy, all they care about is making money. Uh, they're, they're also contributing to the community in many ways, and, and, and you'd have to appreciate that. I mean, I, I like Burlington. I love the city. You know that. We've talked about that. I love some of the neighborhoods. Uh, I love how you've planned it and stuck to your plan, uh, even, you know, with the, the, some of the, the more, you know, remote areas. I mean, up around f- uh, some of the other streets, Appleby Line, et cetera, when you go up by the 407. Great commercial development, but there's some fabulous condo projects that have gone up there in the last 15 years, and, and they look great. But i got to tell you, if I wanted to live there, if I wanted to move to Burlington, uh, I want to live downtown. Because I, I love downtown. I, I, you so know. There, there's, a, there's a challenge and an opportunity, Bill, because you're not alone. There's I, so many other people what, and, and that want to live in our downtown. You know, I want, I want to be near Pepperwoods. I love Pepperwoods. I love Penn Fresco. I love the, the Performing Arts Center. Uh, so I want that. So, but I'm going to come back to my counselor and say, 
I, I can't afford it because there's only one or two condos down there, and they're way too expensive. If yeah. there were more condos and gave me some choice, then I, as a consumer, would be interested in that. And that's the pressure you're going to feel. Well, that's the other side of it. Yeah. I, I mean, and as, as much as it's nice to maintain the traditional character, and I believe that's a clear objective, we do want to maintain the character, but we still have to allow for development. It's going to happen. We need to shape it and form it. We can't stop it. We need to shape it, form it. And I guess that's our challenge with you know, right now with the OMB decision and and the new local planning and appeal tribunal, uh, how we shape it and form it into, into, you know, what controls we actually do have uh, going forward, which, uh, as I say, we're going to have some discussion next week about Well, this. I'll tell you, because uh, I'm not running for office, okay, <laughs> uh, but for anybody who is, because there's an election in Burlington uh, this fall, just as there is in Hamilton and, and every other municipality here in Ontario, you're going to get candidates knocking on the door in Burlington and saying, we're not going to allow any of that stuff. You vote for me, and I'll make sure none of that happens. Yeah. They're blowing smoke because that's not going to happen. Their development is going to happen no matter what, and you can't stop it, and there's no one counselor can stop that. So you've got a plan, which well, takes it back full circle to what you talked about earlier about this official plan yeah. and, and how the city is going to have to get on their horse and do something about this. We've got a lot more to work to do than, than to simply adopt an official plan. Uh, we need a, a meaningful transportation plan, which we're working on. We need a meet- meaningful transit plan, and not just for the next year or two or three or five. We need a transportation and transit plan for 10, 15, and 20 years out. When we look at the potential for development and new job creation in our downtown and around our three GO stations, there's some significant numbers there. And recognizing that there's little room for new road infrastructure, or uh, if there's basically no room for new road infrastructure, we need meaningful investments in transit. We need to get our official plan through. We need to get our area-specific plans. We need to get our zoning bylaw. We need to get our transportation plan done and our transit plan and, and our cycling plan on all that. And we have to work with the region because the region is the approval authority uh, for the province for local um, local official plans, in, in our case in Burlington, because we're a two-tier uh, municipality. Uh, so there's lots of lots of work we have to do. We need to s- establish housing policy. We need to uh, help facilitate the type of development that we r- want around the GO stations. We need to create uh, you know, affordable rental housing uh, in our cities. There's all sorts of work that we have to do. There's nothing easy or simple about where we are and recognizing when you build over farmer's fields, it is simple to state where the roads go and the schools and the parks and the commercial establishments and the homes, et cetera. When you are redeveloping in areas that are already developed, it is not simple, and I firmly believe that within 10 or 15 years from now, people are going to look back, other cities are going to look back and use Burlington as an example of a city that got it right and transitioned to more urban, more urban development within the suburban context um, because I firmly believe we're, we're, we're positioned well to get this right. It's challenging right now, and it's, and it's, uh, it's rocky. There's lots of discussion in the community, and there's, there's lots of dialogue, and, and we've got to stay the course and keep going. All right, but does council as a whole understand there's a sense of urgency here? That, uh, that you know, you've talked about all these plans, the cycling plan, the transit plan, uh, uh, the downtown plan, uh, what you want to see, how you want to see growth occur. But what's happening now in, in Burlington, what's happening in Hamilton, what's happening in Toronto, if you were watching the news and John Tory's facing the same problem with his council, is you've got people that were saying, I'm ready now. I've got money now. I want to build something. I want to develop something, whether it's a condo, whether it's that, or, you know, I, I know there are people that have commercial interests in, in Burlington, and they're saying, I can't wait for council, guys. You can't just say, yeah, we're working on that new plan. Come back to us. They're going to be gone. They're going to go someplace else. If you don't move on these things and if you don't develop this and say, here's the framework now, you're going to miss out on a there, great opportunity. There's a number of parallel tracks we have to be on at the same time. 
and and really that's where but, we're but at if right somebody's now. going 100 kilometers an hour in their parallel track and you're only doing 50 you know they're going to pass you by and say fine we're going to go someplace else that are ready to accept us right. now right and right. and and then you and you're going to come to a point because it, it happened in Hamilton a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and we paid a price for it. Was those people said, "Bye, we're out of here. We're going to go to Kitchener. We're going to go to Burlington, right. wherever else." And then you know, a year or two later, the city says, "Okay, we're ready." Well, where is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> they, so, they passed you by. You know, the reality is the market demand is so yeah. great in Burlington that we don't have the luxury to say, "Come back in another eighteen months once we get everything done." Uh, we don't have that luxury, so we are dealing with the applications as they come forward. We're dealing with the inquiries around our mobility hubs in the downtown and 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 around the GO stations. We're dealing with those inquiries right now, and uh, you know we're, that's why it's important we continue on with the work of adopting our official plan, getting approved at the region and having our area specific plans for the four mobility hubs uh, in the city. So we are, we are doing a lot of work right now uh, simultaneously. Ideally, you want it to be sequential, but we're working on a lot of things right now at, at, at the same time. Because there's going to be a lot of pressure on every city in this province, in this country probably, to, to kickstart and get into the 21st century in a big way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I saw the feedback and the pushback, for instance, even when you guys did the bike lane on on, on New Street uh, as a pilot project. And, oh, we don't want that sort of thing. You can't look in the rearview mirror. People have to understand that there are going to be some things to happening in, in their community that they may not necessarily agree with, but they're things that have to happen. Yeah, I, I understand the concern for many people my age and and. And older, and I put myself. I'm not that I'm 60. I say my age and older, but really, we are building a city for generations to come. And municipal councils do not have the luxury to just look about where we are and trying to maintain where we are. You cannot maintain status quo. You always have to be looking in the future. You can't be looking in the mirror. You've got to be looking forward and recognizing with uh, you know with all the the increase in population, the increase in job creation that's coming in southern Ontario. This is a booming area economically. Uh, people want to live here. Um, and why wouldn't we? We got the biggest source of fresh water in the world uh, and w- with the Great Lakes. We are, we are so fortunate and have wonderful natural heritage areas with the Coots to Escarpment Eco Park system. The quality of life that the Bay Area offers is, is really second to none uh, around the world. So we have to respond. We have to facilitate uh, more uh, economic development. We have to facilitate and encourage more residential development. And it will be different. But you know what? It will be healthier lifestyles because the more people will be able to walk and use transit, which is a healthier lifestyle than always having to hop into your car. A- and uh, the energy efficiency of the new buildings are much better uh, than, than older buildings. So it is a healthier, it is a more ecologically sustainable lifestyle that urban living offers. And, and there's going to have to be a balance. I mean, you know, we were out at Amazon a couple of weeks ago, I guess now, and you really do like Burlington, don't I, you? I do. It's a great place. Uh, and, and, you know, there's the, the, the high-rise development that's going on right beside. And one of the people there was coming, oh, I don't want this. I said, what do you expect? People want to be by the water. They're yeah. gonna, you're going to have to build these things. You better get used to it. Yeah. You know, can control it, but it's going to happen. And, and, and to your credit, I mean, Burlington Council over the years has done a remarkable job of, of, of developing around the waterfront. There's a lot of great space there. There's green space. There's bike paths. There's recreational space. But you better get used to the fact that there's going to be commercial and residential development, too. That has to happen. Absolutely, and uh, that will benefit the people that live there and will benefit new residents because the more people and more jobs you create uh, in our downtown, uh, the greater variety of services and retail and services uh, will be there that will make it you know, much more of a walkable, complete 
uh, uh, community and much more meaningful transit investment, which will allow people to go um, from downtown every 50 minutes wherever they want to go in the city. So we, we do have a lot of work to do with transit as well. I got three emails here, and they're all on the same subject. I'm just going to pick one of the three of them here because it's all a, about uh, an arena. Uh, it says, love the city of Burlington. This is from Phil. Uh, love the uh, the uh, the Performing Arts Center downtown. Has the city ever entertained the idea of building a mid to major size arena to attract sports and world class entertainment? You were, you and I were just talking yeah. a couple of minutes ago about the new are- well newer arena in St. Catharines. St. Catharines. Uh, Elton John just played there. I mean, yeah. so you can attract world class entertainment if you have the venue. I mean, and the Performing Arts Center is great, but you know, arenas are, are good too. So, I, so I'm certainly intrigued by the idea, and I like the idea uh, personally. Um, but I haven't sensed the big grassroots support for something like this. You know, the city of Burlington. I think we have uh, pretty good recreational facilities. In fact, very good in a lot of cases. But our arenas, uh, some of our arenas are are, are older, uh, but we have a good number of arenas uh, in the city. Uh, but I would love to have a, a, a midsize. Uh, uh, arena, but we need a business partner. We, you know, I don't believe the city would invest in that exclusively. We need a business partner. So you look at what happened with uh, the Meridian Center down in St. Catharines. OHL is big down there, yeah. and they have the uh, their team, the the Niagara Ice Dogs, um, that provides forty dates a year or so, uh, which helps it more viable. There's still a municipal investment of a million or a million and a half dollars a year, which I don't think should be intimidating to anybody if you're getting value from it. So I'm I'm intrigued by it. And I'd love to entertain. Uh, uh, some business ideas for people to come forward and, and uh, present that. And uh, if there was a good business case, the city could invest in it. I know. They used to have junior B hockey there. I don't know uh, what, what's going on We still on have there. the Cougars. We oh, yeah. still have the Cougars. Okay. It used to be the Burlington, Burlington Braves, too. Uh, there was, was a the Burlington Mohawks. The Burlington Mohawks. The Burlington Mohawks, which was, uh, yeah, when I was a teenager, a lot of my friends played on the on the Mohawks. They were some great teams. Used to play the, uh, used to play the Hamilton Junior Bs out in the Forum here. And, uh, of course, the, what was the arena they used in Burlington? The Central Arena. There you yeah. go. All yeah. right. Yeah. Which uh, has uh, seen better days. But, I mean, you've put a lot of money into that in the last little while. Very quickly, you kept talking about all these plans. Uh, and w- let's let's talk about citizen involvement because I know there's a cycling survey that's coming out. And you, uh, obviously, you're going to be very intrigued by the results of that. Yeah. So uh, we, we're, we're working on a new cycling master plan. Um, because recognizing we want to encourage more people to cycle for health reasons and for transportation reasons and and uh, for environmental reasons. So we are completing a new cycling plan, and people can go to the city website at burlington.ca slash cycling and fill in a survey until the end of uh, February about their particular viewpoints. One of the things we're working on with regard to cycling and pedestrian activity is uh, coming up with a location and a cost uh, for a pedestrian and cycling bridge over the QEW. Hamilton has one yep. uh, heading down to Niagara, and uh, we need to have one too and connect the north and south parts of Burlington. Uh, any other questions? You can reach the mayor of Burlington City Hall. Uh, that's uh, right across the road from all the high rises. I'm easy up. to find. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, thanks as always. Great talking with you again. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Burlington Mayor Burke Goldwing in the Mayor's Town Hall. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.